What's up guys, glad to have you back. This is William here at World of Wally. We pick up with this episode where we left off with the last episode talking to my guest, Mr. Mike Rice. Uh, Mike's story at this point during this episode picks up where Mike Rice had to let go and the Holy Hustle had to take over. He, um, he had a lot of issues in his early life, a lot of uh, conflicts, a lot of uh, challenges that he overcame. And now, today, this episode, we're going to talk about exactly what happened when he decided to walk away from the old Mike Rice and become a new creation. Uh, like I said, we, we, me, he and I joke all the time about that nickname he's got, the Holy Hustler. Guy's super hardworking guy. Uh, he's 1,000% focused on God. He is 150% focused on his family. Uh, he is a thriving business owner now. Uh, he's just a guy, when I first met him, I met him in the middle of his journey. And I've watched his progress. I've watched his evolution. And guys, I'm, I'm just blown away with Mike Rice today. I was really impressed with him as a young guy when I first met him. But after having an opportunity to know him for quite a few years now, his is just a story that needed to be heard. And I'm glad that he took time to sit down with me. Like I said, he, we had so much to talk about, we ended up having to break it up into two different episodes. And uh, that's why I decided to uh, have both of them drop on the same day. Because when you get to listening to the first part of his story, you, were want, you wanted to pick up right here in this moment. Uh, you didn't want to have to wait a week to hear about the rest of his story. So like I said, today's episode, guys, The Rise of the Holy Hustler, the Mike Rice story continues after the break. All right, guys, um, part two of our interview with Mike Rice. Uh, he's going to talk to us now about where the real hustle began. Um, he's left the penitentiary, the prison at this time, and he is uh, uh, jumped wholeheartedly into youth ministry. He's also at this point, uh, you know, he's driving the, the bus for the school. And then he's going to tell you about where the real hustle begins because the struggle is real. Go ahead, Mike, pick up where you left off, brother. Yeah, so here I am. I'm 12 years in at the prison. Uh, you know, I, I was I was leaving the prison. I was over everything. But the whole time, I'm still hustling. I don't, I've had an eBay account since I was 17, and I'd buy and sell on eBay. Um, and I got into Amazon. I got into buying and selling on Amazon a good bit. And so Amazon, I remember the, first, the year I left the prison, I had a, a right at $98,000 in sales on Amazon. And that wasn't just profit. That was just sales. You know, me and my wife, we, we looked at it and everything, and, and, and we could make money just on Amazon doing that. So, uh, and that's kind of what I did at the prison. Uh, I was at, I was working at the East Mississippi Correctional Facility, and the first part of the day I'd get out, I'd, I'd do my rounds, and the second part of the day I was just constantly looking for, for deals and stuff to buy to turn around and sell on Amazon. So, 
I, I leave the prison and my little Amazon thing starts picking up. And I, for a couple of months, I think I, it was a couple of months that, or maybe a month between the time I quit the prison and the time I actually get, you know, went to youth ministry. Me, me and my dad had this trip planned. Uh, we were about to have Harley Davidson motorcycle. And man, we, we, my dad's like, I always want to go out west. I want to go to see your grandparents in Apple Valley, California. And I want to start in like Oklahoma. I want to trailer the motorcycles to Oklahoma. And I want us to ride out there. And I'm like, well, Dad, why, why? I mean, how far is it from here to Oklahoma? And he's like, it's like 600 miles. I was like, that's like a, you know, a day, two day trip. And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, we'll just leave out of here and go. He's like, if you want to go, we'll do it. And I was like, hey, I ain't got nothing going on. I'm, I mean, at this time, I don't have a job now, so I had a little money saved up, and um, I made sure I got them to turn my taxes off at the prison before I quit because I had so much sick time built up because I never called in, and uh, they wrote me like a five thousand dollar check when I quit, so I had money, and um, and I and I just said, you know, if I could keep five thousand dollars in a little safe under my bed, then then I'm good. Yeah, anything below that, once we start getting below that, we're kind of in a bind. So me and my dad go out west, and and you know. The, the stress and the and all that of the prison man it was just it was it was gone and I'm, I remember the first time my phone died because I was on call 24 hours a day seven days a week first time my phone died man I panicked because I was like I gotta charge this thing up and I was like no you know what I don't and um Anyway, we go out west, me and my dad, we, you know, we stopped in a couple places. We had a beer or two here and there, at, you know, at a restaurant at the end of the day and stuff. And uh, and uh, I, I think the last beer I had in my life, the last drop of alcohol was at a Longhorn Steakhouse, probably in uh, Amarillo, Texas. And um, that was it. And, you know, it, so people talk about, you know, how they had this long journey to quit alcohol. Like, that, was, that was it. Like, me and my dad was out on a motorcycle trip. And, I had a beer and I don't think I finished it and that was really it. I get back and I jumped into youth ministry. Um, I think it was four years ago uh, this June, uh, or maybe five years ago. No, it was four years ago. Uh, four years ago this June. And um, and I just kind of just, it wasn't that I'm just, alcohol's the devil. It wasn't that, you know, it's a sin or anything. It's just, I just didn't have a taste for it. It's like God just removed that from me. It was something that I was. Dude, growing up, I loved to drink. I loved to get drunk. I loved to go into a bar and fight anybody, and and that was my fuel. You know, that was what I did. But man, I I, I come home and I just didn't even want no alcohol. Like my wife, she drinks wine every once in a while, and and um and I would come back. She's like, you know, just because you're you know just because you're talking about getting the youth ministry, you don't have to like just stop drinking altogether. And I'm like, you know what? I just kind of do. To me, for me, I do. And uh, so, uh, you know, my little Amazon and eBay business is going good. I've got a booth at the flea market, the local flea market, and uh, it's more of a consignment type store. You know, you drop your stuff off, you tag it, they sell it for you. So, um, man, I just, uh, it, 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 it was doing good, and um, we just kind of hustled, man. It was just it was just always, always hustling. And um, I remember the first time I ever put a $100 bill in, a, in an offering envelope. My wife almost had a fit. She's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Look, we, we're 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 in the ministry, you know. We and this is this, you know, we're not new Christians here. We we've always given, you know. We've always you know tithed, and I, and I believe that tithing is a a vital part of a Christian's life. And um, I said, but I think it's time to up our tithes, you know. I think it's time to up it. And so so she's like, ah, you know what? If, if that's what God's telling you to do, she's like, but I really think that these people that want their bills paid, you know, they, these bill collectors are wanting their money too. And I'm like, you know what? They do, but I think if we give it to God first, then then it's gonna it's gonna come back for us. And um, that at that point, that was really where my greed 
my, my greedy ways just kind of went away. Um, I, dude, I'm telling you, I'm the greediest person that I know as far as my flesh goes, man. I, I'm, I'm the most greedy person ever. And I, it is so hard for me to give money away or let or lose money or just leave a light on at the house or anything like that. And um, and I was it was always about up until the time I quit the prison and started at the youth ministry. And even in, then a little bit, it was always about how much money could I get? How much money could I get? Well, now I was like, you know, I'm, I'm working this job for two twenty-five a week, which is nothing. Uh, I knew that it was enough to pay my bills, and I had already paid off our vehicle, so we had no car note when I did this. And all we had was a house note. Um, I said if I could hustle enough at the flea market and on on eBay to make a house, I mean, a power bill and a cell phone bill, you know, that's really the only bills that we have right now. We got groceries and stuff like that. So that was kind of my idea of thinking. So. I started giving like a hundred bucks a week, you know, or a hundred dollars a week or a hundred dollars uh, every time we tied or whatever. And, uh, and, and, and then there were some times it was kind of rough and I was like, man, we, we don't have the money to do this. And my wife would just take the money and she put it in there anyway. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, listen, you told me that I had to have faith and I stepped out and had faith and look what God's done for us so far. And so I was like, you know what? You're right. So we would, we would continue that. We would continue that route. And it's like the more I gave to the church and the more I gave to God and the more I would just like work with these youth, like the more my business was blessed. And, and, and I'm telling you, like we went from just selling a few things here and there on Amazon out of our house to, to you know, I said we did a hundred thousand, almost a hundred thousand dollars in sales that, that year. But I mean, dude, we broke our backs going. I mean, every time I wasn't at the prison, I'm driving somewhere to go pick up some merchandise or I'm, I'm you know, we would take road trips and go you know, across the southeast United States just looking for stuff to get to resell. And and now, man, it's like now that we we have like fully relied on God and allowed him to just be in control of everything because that was the last thing that I could give God control over was my money because that was like I, I could give him my wife, my wife, my family, my, my time. You know, I could spend so much time with these kids, you know, and, and give that to them. But as long as I could control my money and I didn't have to just give over everything to him, dude, that I was fine. But but when I finally realized, listen, you've got to stop being so greedy. If God's going to take care of the birds and the bees and everything else out there that doesn't have a job, that doesn't work, then he's going to take care of you. And, and that's kind of when my business just like exploded. I mean, it, it just it was crazy. I mean, um, I had people calling me up, wanting me to preach in different places and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, I, I can't run my business and preach at the same time, but I would choose to go and preach anyway, just because I felt like that's what God was calling me to do. And, and man, it was like, man, you, you know, the whole thing about you can't outgive God, like that was 100% true in this scenario. Um, we started, uh, we started like being able to buy bigger, bigger loads and bigger things like truckloads, like I'd always dreamed about a truckload of merchandise and being able to go through it and sell it on Amazon, eBay, and then at the flea market. And I was able to do this now, and, and it's all because I didn't care about the money. And, and, and my wife, she's always been like this. She's never cared about the money. She could care less what's in our bank account right now. As long as we're happy, our kids are healthy, and everything's going good, man, we're, she's, she's fine. And me, on the other hand, I'm always looking at, okay, we've got this month's bills paid. What are we going to do next month? And I finally gave that stress up. You know what? I, I had fully full faith in God. He and he's like he's blown us up, dude. So now I'm buying like truckloads of merchandise, and uh, and I'm selling it at the flea market, and I'm making money hand over foot. But instead of just like bringing it all in and keeping it for myself, 
I'm putting that back into the church. I'm I'm like buying things and, and you know feeding kids and stuff like that and just you know I mean, I'm just I'm just like returning a, you know just a small portion of what God's giving us back and um and and then our time and that that's another thing that like it was really it, my time at home and chilling and just just hanging out. It was really vital to me. It was really important to me and um and, and giving that up man that was another big thing and we were just hanging out with these kids because i couldn't stand kids before i took over the youth group i'm like man i i don't even want to be around kids but then when i started hanging out with them and, and kind of feeling their pain and like they're they're going through abusive relationships or abusive house you know house situations they're going through drug problems and stuff like that i'm like man that's the same thing that i was going through when i was a kid man like that that's crazy that's ridiculous and like so i was able to sit down with them and they're like dude you'll you would never be able to understand what I'm going through and I'm like let me tell you my story and I'll sit down and I'll tell a kid my story and he's like and that's exactly what I'm going through and I'm like listen I have sat for many years wondering why I didn't take my life that night wondering why God put me through this wondering why I had to go through all these things that I went through and this is it this moment right here when me and you're sitting down talking this is the moment why a 17 year old 15 year old boy like me didn't can't take his own life or didn't you know didn't didn't give up and God didn't never gave up on me and and now let me like just in the past two years I'm I have started an un- thing called the East Mississippi online marketplace and it's a, like a basically an online bidding thing and it, it's man I've got five almost 5,500 followers on there and I put things up to sell and it's like an auction it's like an online auction they just come to the flea market and pick it up and um dude that's all because of god like it ain't because i just had this crazy idea one day like god just laid it on my heart he's like this is what you're gonna do and and in that i'm able to go to the flea market i'm able to stay there more and i'm able to like minister to people and talk to people because i've always got people coming up like aren't you a preacher and then they got you know they got this problem or that problem or whatever and um so you know i kind of somebody uh i think i can't remember who it was that gave me the phrase holy hustler the, the nickname holy hustler but like that was kind of my nickname like so i, was, I love it it was like because you know I'm, I'm always hustling but i'm you know I'm, I'm a preacher too and um so I, I became the holy hustler and the east mississippi online marketplace is, is rocking and rolling right now and then we just opened an auction house uh last friday this friday just a couple days ago uh when it was recorded but uh we opened an auction house where man and i was nervous and didn't think anybody was going to show up and the first night man we had like 75 people show up and i mean we had we did we did a heck of a night had had a heck of a sale and uh man through all this time where where you know we was kind of like not knowing where we're gonna get money from and stuff, I would like slip off and do a yard sale somewhere out in, in the middle of nowhere or, or on the side of the road, or we would go out and we would do an auction somewhere. And there's you know, there's there's little Friday night auctions all over the state of Mississippi. I mean that's it's, it's what people do on Friday or Saturday nights when they're not at football games. So I mean we would go there. I would take a trailer full of just stuff that I've accumulated that I picked up, and I would sell it just to make just to pay for you know whatever we was doing that night or that week or whatever that month, and it would take care of my bills man but and and I, I was so strung out doing that but when i finally i mean this just been a couple of years ago man i finally just gave guys like god this is this this money is yours whatever you want me to give that's what i'm gonna give this week and that you know i'd pray on it and and the first time i prayed and god's like man you drop a thousand dollars in that envelope right now and i'm like holy man, are you serious god like that's a thousand you know how long it takes me to make a thousand dollars and boom i did it and it's like he would just bless me so much so much and um you know, I, I'm not I'm not big on prosperity preaching. I do not believe uh 
you know, we give to be to be blessed, but man, it sure does bless us when we do give. I mean, we during this whole pandemic thing, um, I had been getting produce, fresh produce from a guy um, up in North Mississippi. I would go, and this was start. This started back in like September, October of last year, and I'd been getting. Um, produce and that that produce is what kept our flea market business open because we were considered an essential business and so people would come in from the community because you couldn't go to Walmart and get stuff I mean Walmart is a madhouse it's left four people in at a time and you had to wear all these hazmat stuff so we was letting people in we were selling produce and that kept us open uh, in like November or December this, this dude calls me up and he said hey I got a truckload I want to sell you I was like, what is it? He said, it's staples.com stuff. And I was like, man, I don't know. It sounds like a bunch of pencils and books. He's like, I promise you're going to love it. He said, I'll sell it to you cheap. I think I paid like five or six, $7,000 for it. It was, it was cheap for a truckload. I get in and it's like paper goods. I mean, I've got pallets of toilet paper, pallets of hand sanitizer, Lysol, cleaner, soap. I was like, man, I'm never going to get rid of this junk. January rolls around. I guess I bought it in like December. January rolls around. February... March rolls around, and I remember I was on my way to like Atlanta to pick up something, and this girl calls me from the flea market. She's like, "We need more toilet paper." So what are you talking about? We need more toilet paper. I just stocked the toilet paper. I was selling like those commercial rolls of toilet paper for fifty cents a roll. She's like, "No, you don't understand. You, you must not have been watching social media." She's like, "We need toilet paper." So I get on there, and there's this big, huge national toilet paper shortage because everybody's going nuts in, in this pandemic. And um, here I am with like five pallets of toilet paper sitting in the back, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" You know. So, so I would like, like I, I did what I had to do, come and rush back. And I, I mean, we sold toilet paper and Lysol and hand sanitizer until we didn't have any more of that. And and um, then I had this guy call me up and said, uh, "Hey, I can get you some masks if you need them, like face masks." I was like, yeah, sure, let me get some. Well, then, like, this local hospital catches when they're like, hey, we need some masks. How much are you selling for? I'm like, well, they're a dollar ten a piece is what, you know, what I can sell them for. But we need 10,000 of them. We need them tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, man. So, so I take some money, and I, I go to, to Tennessee, and I go get these masks, and I'm driving back. You know, just about flat broke from what I took, and thinking, man, I really, I really need some money right now. And boom, they dropped, you know, eleven, twelve thousand dollars in my account, just like that. And I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. Like I, I've never been, you know, able to touch this type of money in my entire life. But it was only because I hadn't, it, it, the money wasn't that, it wasn't that big of a deal anymore. It was all about, you know, what can I do to please God? And, and what, you know, because I, I remember praying, I was like, God, if you make me a millionaire, I will promise you, I will, I will make your name known. I will do your, you know, I will, I will do whatever it is. Let me hit the lottery, God, and I will, I will give the church so much money. And, and like, you know, just, just what you, you say, you know, as a young person, just trying to, try to get rich and, and anyway you know how but uh, uh, like I, I really like god is is he didn't do it all at once but i mean it, like he's given us money and given you know just the more money with more money comes more responsibility and like making sure that as i they take that next step in my business that that responsibility comes too but but i remember like several people would come to me and said man everything you touch is like gold like if you if you you know, you can sell anything and, and it just turns into gold. I mean, when the fidget spinners came out years ago, um, I remember like my kid comes home, he's like, dude, you need to get some fidget spinners. My stepkid, stepson, and I was like, what is a fidget spinner? I got online, I ordered a couple hundred of them for like a quarter a piece. They got here from China and I, you know, I sold them for like five bucks a piece, you know? So, 
it's like God has like it's like this whole thing that God has like just blessed us with but it was this this goal that I've always wanted my entire life is just to be, basically be able to take care of my bills take care of my family without having to you know without having to stress or, or worry about money like it, it didn't come until I just I gave that up like I was like you know what I'm not worried about being rich I'm not worried about having everything I need and and like I hate I hate prosperity preaching, and I know it's kind of sounds like what I'm doing right here, but it's it's all, it, it's all about submission, and and that is what the gospel is all about. It's just you know we all want God to be our savior. We all want a savior. Everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants this, but they don't want to put in the work to do it. They don't want they want God to be their savior, but they don't want Him to be their Lord. And and I preach this all the time. It's like man, you've got to He's got to be that Lord. I mean, you in order for Him to to in order for you to be able to be saved he's got to be controlling over you he's got to if he makes the call you got to get up and go do it and and that's kind of and that's where i really understood where this whole lord and savior thing come in at and um man i'm just I, you know do i read my bible as much as i should no do i do i spend time as much as much time praying as i should absolutely not you know but you know i feel man like like god is is he's he's growing me closer to him every single day and as he's doing that in my spiritual walk my my physical walk in the in the the physical realm man it's just it's just amazing how he's doing that i just gotta i'm the type of person that loves attention and that loves you know i I can get a big head real quick and real fast and that's one thing that i was always scared about but even then even now that that i'm a somewhat successful business person like I feel like God has, has been able to keep me humble and that's one thing my biggest worry is where I would not be humble if I came into some money or if I was able to you know be successful or anything but you know, I, you know I, I still tell my kids you know you want to treat the, the janitor just like you treat the CEO you know because you never know you know who's watching or what you know what it is you know you don't want to be that kid that grows up to be a turd and you know here I am 35 years old me and my stepdad have have kind of re rekindled our relationship the one that you know just to, he used to beat me used to used to you know cuss me out kick me chase me down and pointed a gun in my face like now like he he's never had kids he's never been able to have kids and like we take our grandkids over there and he just loves on them and you can just see that this man has changed and, and i don't know if it's because of my change or if it's because of something in him but like like this man has like seriously changed and like i love this man now like i, I at one time i hated him wish he would die and like now he's a he's a, he's a father figure to me but one thing that he did he instilled that work ethic in me like he made that he, he giving up was not an option you didn't call in you didn't have a sick day you didn't you didn't give up you got up every single day and you went to work and, and that's just how it was and there wasn't no, no time to just just sit around or do nothing like you always worked you went to work then you came home and you worked some more and but and i hated that because part of it was because i was a teenager part of it was because he was just an abusive a butthole really but but now this man is like just a humble gentle kind man he and i had our peace we said we spoke our, our peace and, and i'm telling you man like he's a, he's a good he's a changed man of god now and um all that came in about that time that you know that that i went to work at the prison and came back because i just stayed away from him, dude I, he, he pushed me away from my mom he pushed me away from my family i didn't want to be around anywhere he was i didn't want to be and uh so now you know now i'm a somewhat successful business person i have a wife and kids my kids go over there to you know and, and hang out with them uh he and i you know can can hold a decent conversation i don't have any grudges about anything like that because that's part of who i am that's part of my past that's part of what i was and so you know now you know we run 
we're running an auction house on the first and third Friday of every month, and we're running the East Mississippi Online Marketplace. We're still selling a little bit on Amazon, and we're still selling a little bit on eBay, but man, but but it all blew up whenever we just, you know, we when I say we, I'm talking me and my wife because it's it's a it's a team effort. But like when we decided we're not going to give God parts of our life, we're going to give Him the whole thing. So. That's kind of my little story of the holy hustler and everything. I mean, it's, it's not really interesting, but it's, it's me, man. I don't know, man. It's pretty interesting. Uh, let's, let's, I want to. I got a couple of curiosity questions I want to ask you uh, that yeah. were referenced in the first part of this interview. Um, you talked about the night where you took a rope and put it around your neck, and you, you contemplated actually taking your life. Um, at that point, I mean, you were, you were still a young kid when you did that, but yeah. I mean, who? Were you? Did you blame yourself for the situation you were in? Or were you blaming somebody else? Was it like a mutual, you know, you weren't sure if it was your fault or their fault? You just had this burning hatred inside of you to the point that you thought the only way would be to get out of it was to end it? I mean, how, how did that work? You know, it, my mom, I, she's had several relationships. And, and when I say she bounced around, I mean, it's my mom wasn't like a prostitute and all like that. She, she's a good mom. She did what it took to, to keep me and my brothers and sisters. I, I grew up, my mom had four, uh, five kids. I was the baby of all five. So um, I, 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 was a, I was always a fixer, you know. I was always the kind that fixed. Like, I had a stepdad back in, when I was living on the coast with her. He would come home drunk, and I would just kind of just keep everything appeased and everything, you know, just kind of, you know, try to try to keep him and her away from each other so we would just have a place to stay. And, um, and so I felt like there was nothing that I could do at this point because, number one, I'm three hours from, from my home down the coast and, and there was nothing I could do at this point to, to fix it and so I was basically I, I mean there was nothing I, I, I couldn't get away from this dude I mean he was my stepdad my mom was happy I figured if I just removed myself from the situation then, then it would it would all be okay and you know people talk about all the time I don't see how someone that's always happy could could, uh, could hurt themselves and, and I was a happy person outside of that I mean I would I would joke around with my friends I would I mean I was a, a class clown um, I, I actually, the very first and only funeral that I preached so far was my nephew. He took his own life. And, um, you know, he, he shot himself in the head. Had I had a gun that night, I would not be here today. Uh, if I'd have had something that would have taken my life quicker than a rope, I would have, I would have definitely went through it. So I guess, I guess most of it was just me wanting to escape where I was at at that time. And not being able, and, and being lost. I mean, I'm, here I am thinking I'm safe this whole time. But Satan is in my ear telling me, hey, there's nothing to live for. you got nothing. Your life's crap. You know, you're, you're, you're not ever going to be anywhere. I'm, I was overweight. Uh, I'm still overweight. But, I mean, I was I was a fat kid. I was, you know, I was just, I, I, the only thing I had going for me is I could make people laugh every once in a while. And, uh, you know, the girls would always like that. And then they put me in the friend zone, so I couldn't get a girlfriend. I was always the, the guy that, you know, everybody, oh, he, he'd be a good boyfriend or something. You know, it just, it was all on me, man. It was just like me uh, and, and being a lost soul and not knowing that God's got something planned for me. Like, like I firmly believe that the, the Bible verse says all things work together for the good of all those who love God and it doesn't matter what your situation is like no matter how bad your situation is it can be glorifying to God in some way if you just take a step back and look at it and that's that's that was it it took me several years to figure it out but I mean me almost killing myself has led to other other teenagers to open up to me and talk to me about their issues at home and stuff 
when you're talking about the young people and how you're able to share your story. And I, I run into the same thing because as as you know, and of course my listeners, some of my listeners know this too, I also am in youth ministry. I've been I've been in youth ministry for probably as long as uh I think says you've been alive, but no, I haven't been not quite that long. But um I understand, you know, I tell them the same thing. Look, you can't tell me anything that I don't know something about. You you haven't lived a life experience that I promise you I'm going to trump you. Whatever you say is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. I have something to beat it. Uh, so I know that's that's a special connection you have with your young people. Now, I, here's a question for you. Now, you've, you've had pretty good success. I mean, I'm, I've, I've been following your, your career flight here. I mean, you're doing quite well. Um, you spent, like you said, you spent 12 years inside the penitentiary in Meridian at East Mississippi Correctional. Uh, I was there also, not, you know, I only spent a year there before I took another job. But like I said, in that year that I was there, you know, I saw a young guy, uh, you know, had a huge amount of drive. I saw a real star, you know, if, you, if you're going to rate people, I saw a star in the corrections industry in you. And I knew you could be successful in corrections. But I also saw a young man that needed to get away from corrections. Because I could I could also see you 10 years down the road being burnt out. And, you know, because I'm telling you, for those that do not understand the concept, corrections, law enforcement, anything that's, that's civil servant, police related, it's an extremely high pressure, stressful job. Um, it takes a certain type of individual to be able to do that, and everybody's not cut out to do it. You, know, you hear the whole bad cop, good cop. You know, you talk about on the news talking about bad cops and good cops. Look, cops are cops. They just run in. Sometimes they run into situations that overwhelm them, and that's how that happens. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Everybody's not cut out to be. And as, as hard as it is for a person that is on the road, a road deputy or a city police or municipality police officer, you just don't understand inside the penitentiary, inside a correctional facility, that's all amplified. It's, it's actually worse on corrections officers than it is because corrections officers end up getting the after effect of what happened on the street and then they have to deal with it every day because you can't get away from them at that point because they're housed I, i used to tell people when i worked in corrections you know when they lock that gate behind you and you go in on your shift you live with them you are part of that institution and the only difference between an inmate and an officer in a correctional situation is if you're lucky an officer gets to go home at the end of his shift that's the only true difference i ever saw while working corrections Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's, there's officers. I mean, I learned a lot in prison. I learned, uh, I mean, prison is nothing but a, um, a learning ground for convicts. I mean, yeah. it, it is, uh, you know, they, they say they rehabilitate and some may, uh, but you know, Mississippi's prison systems are, are extremely overrun with gangs, gang violence. I mean, we would see people coming in off the streets that were hired by gang members. So they're being paid by us and the gang just to bring stuff in. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, uh, yeah, when I walked in the doors of the prison for the first time, I was a 19-year-old. Uh, my chest poked out. I was ready to fight. I was somewhat fit and got more fit while I was there. And, and that's kind of what boosted me up through there because I wasn't scared. And I was, uh, you know, I was, I was ready to go in. I was lost as a goose. Had I gotten killed or something like that, I'd be burning in hell today. And uh, 
uh, but you're right. I needed to get away from there. I was I was a different person when I was there, and I was bringing that home, man. I was I, I would cuss like a sailor. I mean, because I felt like the only words that them inmates knew, if it didn't start with an F, then they didn't understand it, you know. And and my language, um, you know, that that was very unchristian like language that I used while I was there and while I was home, you know. And and um, my wife, she saw uh, pretty much an immediate change when I left there. I mean, the stress, the you know, the my, my language, man, that, that was some things that, you know, even, even today, you know, I talk to people that, that are struggling with, with cussing and stuff like that. And, and man, like, they're like, how do you do it? How do you do it? I was like, man, I'm, I'm literally a changed person. You know, I'm not the same person. Uh, and, and I had to die to that person. Like that person had to die. That was there. He, he couldn't, he couldn't go in a hospital and be fixed. He couldn't go to a mental rehab and be fixed. He had to die. And that's where, you know, where where the Bible tells us we got to die to ourselves daily. Like we don't die to, um, we don't die to, to, how we are we don't die to our feelings we don't die to our our, our our habits or whatever we have to actually die and let christ live through us and if if i wake up tomorrow morning and i want to live mike rice's life i'm a greedy person i'm a, i'm an alcoholic i'm a i'm a person who is just looking out for myself and thank god that he gave me a wife that is just dude she is such a giving person like there's like i have i remember times that like i look back now and i'm like why did she even stick through me with that why why did she do that and it's only because of god like i i lay i laid in bed the other night looking at her and like man she's so worn out just from me because of my needs and i mean dude if i go to a restaurant or i mean we go to a family get together or something she gets my plate for me she she she's she's a true servant and it's not because i want her to or ask her to it's just that's what she's led to do and people are people tell her like why don't you let him get his own plate why don't you let him get his own team why don't you let him do this or that she understands her position in life that god has given her and and it's not that i'm just this great person that, that deserves that it's not that i'm just so successful i mean she was there with me in my rock bottom she was there with me when we were struggling with bills and and almost getting vehicles repoed and getting the power turned off and stuff i mean she's been there but she is a true servant she's a true servant's heart and and like if i hadn't been with her dude i'd probably honestly if she hadn't woke me up that morning and said we're going to church i'd still be probably living that life right now like i said i've known you for quite a few years like i said after i left the prison we kind of lost us but then we reconnected on social media and, and we've stayed in touch ever since and I, I just recently uh about a year ago it's about a year ago in august uh i had an event here at, at the church i'm serving at uh i was fortunate enough that you came as one of the speakers uh, so i got a chance to meet that amazing wife that you're talking about her name is tiffany since he's so proud of her he didn't even mention her so uh but she is, like I said, she's, uh, I can see why you are in such a good mood and you feel so blessed because your wife, your kids that you have with you, your youth group that you brought with you, um, of course, your business is booming. Um, you know, I'd ask you about your proudest moment, but I know you can't narrow that down. Um, uh, your proudest moment is probably when you re- woke up one morning and realized that God put everybody in every situation you've lived through in your path to put you where you are today that's probably your proudest moment because as you said because as you said yourself you uh you had some real issues that that he had to help you sort through and as hard as he tried you battled against him so yeah i fight i fought god to the tail man like i I was God's biggest enemy, you know, and and not because I I denounced him, not because I hated him or not because of anything else. It's because I was thinking this whole time I'm a child of God and and 
the whole time I know, I mean, at the end, I realized I wasn't a child of God. But my proudest moment, honestly, is is like thinking about it. I, my mom called me up one day and she said, listen, I need you to come down here and talk to your grandmother. She's 80 something years old and she's not doing well. She's not doing, you know, she wants you to preach the funeral. She's already going through the house and talking about, you know, what's going, who's getting what and everything. She's I just want you to make sure she's safe because I don't know. And I was like, mama, just ask her if she's safe. I mean, you did that to me when I was a kid, you know, she said, just ask her when she, if she's safe. So I'm in there, I'm preaching the gospel to my grandmother who's 80 something years old. My mom and my wife are in, in the living room and I just hear some crying coming out of that living room I'm like man what's going on and like my mom comes in the in the kitchen where I'm at cause my grandma's like baby I don't worry about me I, I know where I'm going I'm safe you, you know I'm fine I said mama I just want to make sure you know I just want to kind of reiterate and so my wife and my mom are in there and my mom comes in she's bawling her eyes out and she says I don't know if I'm going to heaven when I die I said what she said, I don't know. She's like, I, I, I've sinned against God. I've done all these bad things, and, and I don't know. So I led my mom to Christ right there in my, mom, my grandma's living room, in, I mean, my grandma's kitchen in Loosedale, Mississippi. A couple weeks later, I was able to baptize her. And, um, man, it, that was my proudest moment, to be able to baptize my own mother. And I was like, man, if this woman has, she has kept me in church when I was when I was a, a delinquent. And she made sure that we had food on the table. And she worked her tail off as a phlebotomist, making hardly nothing, uh, feeding five kids, and, you know, and, and sometimes doing it alone, most of the time doing it alone, been through abusive relationships. Here I am thinking that this is a, a godly woman. You know, she would, she would sing, um, just a closer walk with thee. That was one of her favorite songs. That and in the garden, and and you know she she really truly saw what the gospel was that day, and it wasn't because I was presented so eloquently. It was because God was working through me, man. And and uh, man, that's that's one of the biggest things. You know, you talk about a proud moment. Like it was, it was, I was proud for God, but it was it was an awesome time that I was able to baptize my own mom. Once again, man, just another amazing chapter in this crazy story that you say is not that interesting, but it really is. Once again, though, put in your path to get you where you are today. So, one last question, and then I'm going to let you share your contact information and your you know, your business entities and all that kind of stuff so my listeners can, you know, check in on you, follow you, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, the $5,000 in the safe, is it still there? It's still there. Still, still there. there. There's, there's, there's a little bit more there, but there, it's still there, man. Oh, we it's ain't got to sweat it then, because I was worried we went over the 5000 in the safe, though, so. Oh, uh, uh, no, it's still there, man. <laughs> all right, so before you get out of here, man, I, first of all, I've had a blast. Me and you, we talk all the time. Uh, oh, yeah. And like I said, I've, I've, I've sit here over the last few minutes and listened to you tell your story, and I, yeah, I found out some stuff I didn't know about you. As much as we've talked, I found out some stuff I didn't know. Uh, I'm glad you took time to share your story with us today and my listeners. Um Tell everybody how, you know, first of all, just a quick rundown of what you got going on, all you do, do your different businesses and, and all these different little hustles, as we call them, and then, uh, and then give them some contact information in case they want to reach out to you on social media. All right, so I don't really, I'm not real big on, uh, on Instagram. Uh, I tried TikToks a little while, and it was just, I was horrible and I hope they I hope they get rid of it soon and I know everybody's like no don't get rid of TikTok but I don't do either one of those but I'm, I'm on Facebook uh, um, just Mike Rice I'm in Meridian Mississippi I started uh, an online ministry called Rebellion Ministries uh, it's basically rebelling against the way of the world 
and I started it and I stopped it and I started and I stopped it and for some reason I, I know the reason is because I, when I was doing it I was doing it for the wrong reason I was doing it for my glory not for his I really feel like that's going to come back soon and it's just basically a, a video online video message uh, you know I was doing it once a week and I got to doing it every day and then I was just counting the followers and also so Rebellion Ministries is my online uh, ministry, and it's, like I said, if you go to it right now, I think the latest video is like a year or two old. So I feel like that's coming back. I really feel like God's going to give that back to me. It, it, he hasn't given it to me yet. Uh, I've, I've been, uh, a couple times I've been thinking, you know what, this is it's fixing to start, and, and it just hasn't done it yet. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be praying on that, something that I've just not really been thought about until today. But look me up on Facebook, Mike Rice. I have uh, another page called Mike Rice Auctions. Um, that's my auction page. I do estate sales. I've got a big estate sale coming up this week where Bella's dad passed away. He's a prominent uh, staple in the community, and he's he's given us the honor of being able to liquidate his father's assets. And um, so we've got that. Uh, I've got uh, the East Mississippi Online Marketplace is on uh, Facebook. I do most everything on Facebook, man. I'm, a, I'm an old guy, man. I, I I hate change. I hate new stuff. But uh, the, my Snapchat is Holy Hustler, and uh, you know, I just I, I love to reach out, and connect with people. I mean, I you know, I love not that people look for me for advice or whatever, but I love that God like sends people my way because. I mean, just just the other night, and I hate to keep rambling on, but then just the other night, I was at an auction. I called the auction. I sold some stuff. And the lady, she comes up. She said, you know, there's something different about you. You're, you're a preacher or anything. I was like, yeah, I'm a preacher. And she said, my son, he's got spinal bifida. He's been in a wheelchair most of his life. He's 27 years old. We're having, we're about to have the scariest procedure that he's ever had. We were in Sturgis, Mississippi, which is about two hours from Rudy. I don't know where she's from, but she told me his name and she showed me a picture of him. She said, he's about to have brain surgery. Uh, Tuesday uh, so will you please be praying for him and I said yeah so we stood up in front of church uh, last Sunday we prayed for him and um, she came to my auction Friday night and uh, she came she actually bought a lot of stuff and she's like I just want to let you know like your prayers were, were felt and, and he went through this surgery this, this big scary surgery that we were worried about and he went through it uh, just fine. He, he went through it just fine, and and just keep praying for him. And and uh, she said, I just want you, I just want you to just know that we had another surgery, one surgery after another, but the rest of them we're not too much worried about. So, um, man, I'm telling you, like like I, it, it excites me that God uh, gives me the opportunity to be to work for Him. You know, it's it's like you know, as as, as successful as my business gets, it, no matter how successful it gets, like. As long as I'm able to work for the God of the universe and to 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 lead people to Him and to to make sure that He's pleased with me, like that's my biggest thing right there. All right, man. To all my listeners, guys, check out those locations he's talking about on Facebook. He's got some fantastic deals. I follow him on all of his stuff. Uh, I agree with him on TikTok. I know my younger listeners don't want to hear that. It is. I truly believe it and Twitter are from the devil, and you need to get away from them. I think he'll echo that sentiment. Um, yeah. Hey, and look, guys, if you're looking for a passionate servant of Christ and you're looking for somebody for maybe a speaking engagement, please reach out to Mike. Uh, I, like I said, I had the privilege of having Mike here about a year ago at my local church, and uh, he had an amazing presentation, and uh, the young people, I mean, a year later are still talking about the impact it had. So, guys, if that's what you're looking for, then he's, he's, a, he's the guy. 
And uh, like I said, Mike, can't thank you enough for uh, checking in with us today. I know you're a busy guy. I know if I was having to uh, go in one of your businesses and had to buy stuff the whole time me and I, you and I would have been talking, I'd be broke right now. I'd have to get in your $5,000 safe. So, um, all right, man. Like I said, appreciate you being on with me today. And as always, guys, Wally out.